masturbate onto a hot George Foreman grill, you fun-sized Duncans. Welcome to the Blind Boy Podcast. I'm a silly, foolish boy. Because uh, I'm recording this podcast quite late. And why am I recording it late? I had a strange day. I had I had an, a full on day emotionally. Um, I decided to have muesli for breakfast, which I haven't done in many many years. Just got it into my head. Fuck it, I'll have muesli. See what the crack is. And I was eating muesli. Now I don't know why the muesli is relevant to this. It's the only it's the only thing I can think of. But while I was eating the muesli. Like a repressed memory of childhood trauma surfaced. Um and I think I think the muesli triggered it. it, it it's all I can think of. Like I haven't eaten muesli in years. And something about the muesli, it was nice, something about the muesli triggered a childhood memory that was unpleasant. And it just it just came upon me and I was like, fuck. Jesus, that happened. And I'd managed to repress it into my unconscious mind. And then it arrives now as an adult. But it's ba- basically... I think I was four or five years of age. And excuse the audio now this week if it's a little bit poppy because I... I usually have a sock that I talk into and I don't have the sock now so I'm just speaking into bare microphone. But yeah, I was like five or six years of age in a a playground in Limerick and I was, I think I met another lad who would have also been five or six years of age. I don't know who he was, he was a stranger, strange young fella and this is when I was a child obviously. And I just got chatting with him and having crack or whatever you do when you're six. And whatever way the conversation went, I basically, his mother was with him, right? His, his mother was beside him. Um, and I said to the boy in front of the mother, whatever triggered the conversation, I said that the son would one day expand in a few billion years and end the world basically and I think the boy got really upset by it but then the mother she hit me into the head like really fucking hard like nearly knocked me out like a full proper punch and yeah, it just it came up this morning while I was eating muesli. It's like holy fuck. Remember that time the fucking grown adult boxed you into the fucking head for bringing up the inevitability of the sun expanding. And I know you're probably thinking you probably have that memory wrong, blind boy. What what business have you at six years of age to be talking about an expanding sun? But I would have been because when I was when I was that age, I had like one of my older brothers was really into science, 
and we had a set of encyclopedias in the house and this is the type of shit that we would have spoken about I, w- I would have read I would have been reading about the sun and I would have been asking my brother questions about stars I used to look up at the stars and ask him questions about the moon and the sun and all of this shit so he would have said to me yeah that, that sun one day is gonna yeah cause in, in the encyclopedia it had a diagram of, of stars cause the sun is a star basically it had a diagram of stars and the different stages in their life like a white dwarf or a red giant and all this and so it would have been explained to me at 5 or 6 years of age that sun up there in the sky is one day going to expand into a red giant and consume everything in the solar system so I remember at a young age being confronted with the reality of fuck the world is actually going to end it'll be in a few billion years but yeah the sun is going to expand it's inevitable but when I said this to this young lad in the playground and he got upset his ma just fucking walloped me and and I don't know why it came back to me this morning I don't know why that I'd managed to go over two fucking decades basically having forgotten it and then boom this morning it just comes back and it was heavy it was heavy coming back I tell you that because I'm now an adult and I'm going fuck a strange woman boxed the living fuck out of me when I was a child and now as an adult I can now see like Jesus Christ that's that's grounds for going to prison like fully hitting another fucking fully hitting a child is is grounds for going to prison and I suppose in my head I was trying to figure out what the fuck did I say or do that would cause someone to hate a child they don't know that hard and I think what it was is I crossed a boundary it's like by me explaining that the sun was going to expand and consume the earth I I crossed the boundary and I, I'd robbed that mother of, of the innocence of the relationship with her child and she got so angry she hit me the way you'd hit an adult if you get me now I'm not I'm not trying to justify her fucking behaviour you don't hate children but what I'm trying to do is empathise with what could be so upsetting about a six year old explaining the expanding sun that would make an adult hate a child really hard but yeah basically what I'd done is I'd yeah I'd overstepped the boundary of innocence like in my house growing up my brothers were explaining like yeah the sun's going to expand our life is going to end but it was presented to me as isn't that interesting isn't that a really interesting fact about the universe isn't it amazing that the sun is actually a star isn't it incredible that outside the earth is this huge fucking galaxy that's ever expanding but to this woman I had stolen innocence from her relationship with her child it was like 
because he was upset by it, you see. And it's like I'd, 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 do you know what I'd say it was too? It's like I made her think about the, the finality of her son's life. I'd made her think about her son's death. The uncomfortable, deep, dark feelings of we are all, everyone you know and everyone you love is going to die. Something you don't want to think about if you're a new mother with a child. I just plopped it into their lives there and then. And I'd put her in the situation where I I had it it's 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 like saying Santi isn't real, but way worse. It was like How dare you introduce my child to the painful realization that all life will end and now I can't soothe them without lying. It was like she'd been put in a position in a position now where she either has to tell the child the truth that the sun will expand and the the solar system will one day end or she has to lie to him and say that little boy over there who talks about the expanding sun he's talking out of his arse she probably should have done that instead of uh, and that's the crazy thing like I understand she was upset or whatever but like she just boxed another child in front of her own child that's the most harmful thing you could fucking do whatever about him finding out about an expanding sun it's like imagine seeing your ma all of a sudden hit another child a strange child full force so yeah that was my day a repressed traumatic memory just arrived into my fucking head and it was heavy it was kind of heavy because that's freaky it's freaky to go fuck how did I go my whole life forgetting that and then it just comes back and what's upsetting for me is like I know my psychology so if if as an adult you don't remember uh, a, a childhood incident like that it means that it was so traumatic that my brain didn't want to fucking remember it that's that's what happens it it goes right into the depths of your unconscious mind and if i didn't remember it it wasn't the physical pain of of the slap if you know it wasn't it wasn't that it wasn't the physical pain it most likely was whatever emotion the woman had the complexity and intimacy of her anger and the context of it was far too great from my childhood from my child's mind to get around to understand there was too much adult pain and adult hurt in it for my brain to click with it I wouldn't have gotten it I wouldn't have had the emotional maturity to empathise with that blast of adult anger because it was wildly inappropriate that's the thing you know it it was wildly inappropriate for a a child to try and contextualise or understand so right into the back of my fucking head is a memory that I won't remember and shittily that's 
you know, that's the type of, uh, you know, how many of my fucking panic attacks, how much of my social anxiety, how much of, of mental health issues in my life can be attributed to that woman's actions who were so painful for me. My brain was like, not, not remembering that one. Gonna forget about that forever and let it bubble as a darkness in your unconscious which will inform uh, irrational fucking behaviour. So it was a big day. And I found something that's not the sock but similar to it. Because I'm getting a, a few P sounds there. Pa, pa, postman. So that was my day. It kind of derailed it a little bit. It. I had an, an emotionally full day. Whereby I had to process that. Um, wasn't necessarily unpleasant. It's just. It's an existential realisation. I wasn't one to be getting hit by adults as a child. I wasn't really getting hit at home. And I suppose the freaky thing is is that I, um, it wasn't getting hit by a strange adult. It was a strange adult losing their, their temper and dehumanising me. That was the emotion. Actually, yeah, that if I, I spent a while processing what's the emotion that's coming up for me when I think of that. And I felt uh, devalued and dehumanised that she's hitting me in a way that she wouldn't hit her own child and something snaky about it too because there was no one else in the playground so it's like you, you, you're you doing this you're, you're hitting a child full force because you think you can get away with it which was it just pretty fucked up and not what I was used to in my own home so there you go lads so what do I want to talk about this week? Because I've had what what you'd call an introspective day. I've had a day of introspection. I have a, had a day of contemplative searching of my uh, internal emotional world. And sitting with emotions. And mindfully sitting with uh, negative and positive emotions and searching for a sense of meaning. Because I've had one of those days, I'll try and have a podcast that reflects this for the benefit of everybody who's listening. Um, so a question I get asked an awful lot, right? I get asked this a lot, <clears throat> usually by men, is people want to know, do I listen to or read or like Jordan Peterson? And I've answered it a lot of times before. But I still get asked a lot. Um, not really. Jordan Peterson is... You know, sometimes he's really interesting. When he talks about things that have to do with... Uh, I like his stuff about Carl Jung. When he speaks about religion, I find it interesting. But in general, Jordan Peterson... Not my vibe, because... I just think he's a, he's a gateway drug... For conservative Christianity. Um, I, I strongly disagree with his views on socialism. I, th- I think he's... I don't know where the fuck... He learned about socialism from. He's unable to... Detach... Social democracy from... Uh, <clears throat> the worst atrocities of... Soviet communism. Um, he's very anti-feminist. He's anti-trans rights. Just not into him. Don't... 
don't even think he's a particularly helpful uh, addition. And it's it's a shame that he has the the ears of, of a lot of young men in particular who are looking for meaning, who are searching for a sense of meaning. And he has their ear because he speaks about psychology. But I, the one thing he always leaves out is compassion. I've listened to hours and hours and hours of his stuff and I, I just don't hear compassion in there and that's always a bit of a red flag for me. But I got asked, um, did I read his book? His book was called, what was it? Ten Rules for Life or something. But it, it, was, it was like a list book about, he is a professor of psychology, about his ten rules for how to live a happy life or whatever. <clears throat> I had a quick glance through it. Um, he started talking about lobsters. I was a bit unimpressed. And then, so someone said, did, did you read his book and would you consider um, what are blind boys' ten rules for life, basically? Um, off the back of Jordan Peterson's, what are blind boys' ten rules for life? So that's kind of what I want to speak about this week. I don't know if there's going to be ten of them. I don't have them numbered. But... What would be my rules? I don't want to say rules. Fuck rules. What would be my suggestions? Um, For a meaningful life. I, last week I, I explained. I don't believe in, in happiness as such. I don't believe that... You, you, there's no such thing as happiness there's such a thing as being happy but this idea that we have in our heads that there is this state known as happiness which we can attain it's bullshit, doesn't exist there's no such thing as this continual state known as happiness where you will suddenly get to this place where you are now happy 100% and that's it not a chance, you'll get an itchy arse something will happen there's no such thing as a state known as happiness. Unfortunately, there is something known as a state known as happiness or, or sadness or depressiveness. Someone who's depressed can be sad all the time for a long period. But the equivalent doesn't really exist for happiness. The opposite of depression, for me, is not happiness, but it's it's a... Meaning, meaningfulness, right? And you know what? What is the opposite of of having meaning in your life? Is when, for me, it would be if you spend a a good deal of your time, right, suffering, uh, being. If you know, if if you spend a good deal of your day, right, and you're angry, frustrated, jealous, or feeling ashamed about shit that actually isn't happening in that moment, if a good portion of your day is spent seething with anger about someone, about a friend of yours, because you feel they're treating you wrong, or if a good portion of your day is assuming that other people don't like you or a portion of your day is spending a lot of time being jealous or envious of another person 
that's the opposite of meaning. That's you're not living in the present moment. Instead, you're being instead you're very you're in a lot of discomfort about shit that's already happened or shit that hasn't happened. So that's the opposite of meaning. Your in your space, your mental space is taken up with negative fantasies. That's what they are. If you're jealous of another person, if you spend a lot of time thinking about what they have and what you don't have, or plotting about wanting to see them not do well, then that's a, that's a fantasy. That's a harmful fantasy that harms you. If you're angry with another person in your own head and a huge amount of your day is spent gritting your teeth or clenching your fists because of something someone said to you two weeks ago, that's an unhelpful fantasy that isn't real but it is but the pain of it and the discomfort and the waste of time that is real so to be free of that to not be living that way is to live a life of meaning right and meaning can be good and bad but it, the good and bad is, is stuff that's actually happening in the, in the present moment. So what I'm going to talk about is some guidelines, right, that I've learned over the years through just being alive and also through psychology. Guidelines that I use to strive to have a life of meaning on a daily basis. I've got an exceptionally itchy nose right now and I don't know what that's about. Do you know what that's about? Fucking coronavirus, man. I'm trying to train myself to not touch my face. Here's the thing with the coronavirus. Wash your hands, sneeze into your elbow when you can for other people, and then try try and get out of the habit of touching your face entirely. If you can wash your hands and don't touch your face... That's the best thing you can do, according to experts, to not get the coronavirus. So I've been training myself the past few days to not touch my face at all. And as a result, I'm getting an exceptionally itchy nose. There we go. So what would I recommend? Number one, to improve your life, to improve your mental health, to achieve a sense of meaning, any of these things. To get out of a rut something if if you just want something good to do for yourself if you want a little project to challenge yourself and improve your mood i'm going to give you some tips uh based based on what i do look this is what i fucking do and this is what works for me all right and if if you want to listen and you want to have a lash at it then work away but this is what works for me so one thing that i try and do on a daily basis is I accept my fallibility as a human being, okay? I accept that I'm not perfect. I accept and acknowledge that I'm going to make mistakes. I'm going to fuck things up. I'm going to embarrass myself. I'm going to hurt people that I love in my actions and my words. And... I kind of I accept in, in I accept that this is this is part of being human. 
This is part of fucking being human. Making mistakes. Embarrassing yourself. Disappointing other people. Letting other people down. Losing the rag and hurting someone I love in some way. This is part of being alive. And... I can you can minimize it you can work on minimizing it but I suppose what I'm saying is that by taking ownership of these things as being an inevitable part of being human having that in your awareness means they happen less it's it's when you have strict rules around your fallibility that you tend to do it more or or you tend to cover up for it or the consequences of it are worse if you have personal rules that you know you must not make mistakes or you must not embarrass yourself in a social situation you have to be perfect and for you to embarrass yourself would be the worst thing possible or, you know, when I said there, which is a weird one, for me to accept that as a fallible human being, I'm going to hurt someone that I love, that's that's a big one to say. But if you if you have a personal rule that says, I must not hurt somebody, I must not insult another person, I must not get exceptionally angry with someone and hurt their feelings... If you have that rule, then you start to fetishize politeness. And it turns into, I must be polite. I must be really, really nice to people. And when you do that, then... You can't deny anger. You can't deny losing the rag. So it just sublimates itself into passive aggression. Which is... Fairly toxic. All of a sudden now, you're, you're still... Angry with someone you care about... But instead of voicing it, you're uh, refusing to talk to them. Or you're pretending there's no problem. But they're still picking up the negative vibes. So by acknowledging I am a fallible human being, I'm not perfect, I'm going to make mistakes, then everything kind of chills out a bit and it tends to happen less. The... You're less uptight. Things are looser. And when things are looser, you can be flexible with them. But the other thing is, as a fallible human being, who's going to make mistakes, embarrass themselves in front of people, and fuck things up and hurt people, another huge thing that goes alongside with that, with the recognition of your innate human fallibility, right? To take ownership of it, to truly take ownership of... Your, your fallibility means that you, you're going to fail. Failure is an inevitable part of being alive. So if you're to take ownership of the fact that you are going to fail at certain things, you then have to learn to accept responsibility for them when it happens, right? And this can be this can be really tough, but there's tremendous meaning and growth in this, right? Let's just say you get into an argument with your best friend 
or your girlfriend or your boyfriend or a family member and during this argument you feel anger and emotions come up and you, you, you're gritting your teeth and then you blurt out something hurtful to that person and then afterwards you go, oh for fuck's sake, why did I say that? That was really mean. Why did I say this hurtful thing to this person who cares about me and who I care about? And it's embarrassing. And we all do that. Bob Dylan has a song about it called Idiot Wind. Um, but one thing you can do if you do hurt someone like that, right? Really learn to genuinely it's it, not apologize of course, of course yes apologize but it's more than apologize learn to truly accept responsibility for your behavior apology is just like I'm sorry for that thing I said yesterday the thing with apologies is, is apologies so, sorry the word sorry can be hollow Sorry is one of those words that a fucking parent makes you say to another child after you get pissed off with them. Sorry's great, but as an adult, you need more than sorry. And like saying to a person that that thing I that thing I said or did yesterday was really wrong, and you didn't deserve to be treated that way, and. I don't feel that way. I, I th- That thing I said, I don't feel that way. I'll tell you what happened. I felt really angry and insecure in that moment. And because of that, I just, I, I, I wasn't thinking and I think I just really wanted to hurt you. And you deserve better than that. And I'm really sorry for that and I'm going to try not to do it again. And when you do that, when you not only apologise but put a language it's it's not just sorry it's fucking laying bare, laying bare your vulnerability that's what it is when you're when you're fighting with someone you love and during that fight you say something to deliberately hurt them that's you being insecure in that moment that's your raw insecurity you're feeling small and you're lashing out at someone who you know won't lash back because they love you. So to fully take ownership of it and kind of lay out a map of your own bad behavior in a genuine way, not only is it is it a, a heartfelt, decent, meaningful apology to the other person, right? It strengthens the bond and relationship that you have with that person. It's difficult to fucking do. It's really difficult. Because you're laying bare. Your vulnerable insecure emotions. And putting them out there in front of another person. So you end up growing. As a human being. And connecting meaningfully. With authentic emotions. And it makes you more assertive. I spoke about assertiveness before. But if it with assertiveness, right, which is separate to confidence, if you're to truly be able to stand up for yourself with calm authority, 
then if you're to be able to do that, you have to also truly know when you're wrong and to, in a non-defensive and confident way, admit completely how and why you are wrong and how you truly understand how the other person didn't deserve to be treated that way. So so that's one that's one thing that I would uh, have a, as a guideline for finding meaning and joy in your life which might lead to happiness. What else? Um try something new. Right? Just as an exercise. As an exercise to introduce meaning into your life, try something new. By which I mean, and this can be small, make it a little project. Do it at the weekend, alright? Watch a film that you wouldn't normally watch. Do you know, do, do you do you like a certain type of film? Well, go into your head and figure out what, what are the films that you think you don't like. Go and watch a film you don't think you'd like. Go and watch a film that you say, that's not for me, that's for a different type of person. Do that. Go to a pub or a restaurant that you wouldn't normally go to. If you're an introverted person, like I would be, try having a chat with a stranger when you're out. Ask ask them about their day. Now, one little interjection. If you're a lad, if you're a man, try and make that other person a man because just fucking walking up to strange women as a man and initiating conversations that happens an awful lot in a woman's day and just do it just do it to another man you don't want to turn it into fucking you could could have been the 10th lad that day that tried to initiate a conversation and she could be tired from it so if if you're doing this for your own mental health and you're an introvert and you want to try something new spark up a conversation with another man I just advise that you don't fucking have to if you want to talk to a fucking woman work away Um, if you're an extroverted person go for a long walk on your own you know if if you're a person who you feel anxious on your own and you like being around people then the new thing you should try is fuck off on your own for two or three hours complete solitude don't talk to another person spend time with you and I know that can be quite frightening for a lot of people that can actually be kind of scary and and can sound quite boring to some people who are highly extroverted the idea of spending time on your own but give that a go listen to a type of music that you wouldn't normally listen to and I, I don't dismiss it and it doesn't mean you have to be like, I'm going to sit down and listen to this music that I don't think I'd like or watch this film I don't like. You don't have to force yourself to like it. Just give it your fucking time. Just truly give it your time. Make space for this thing that's outside of your comfort zone. Ultimately, that's what I'm talking about. Safely stepping outside of your emotional comfort zone because it's the psychological equivalent of jumping into a cold bath of water and 
you know, you might go to that new fucking restaurant. Like, I did it once. Look, I, I, I don't like seafood. I just don't like seafood, alright? Especially shellfish. And one day I went to a sushi restaurant and decided to try and eat fucking sushi. And I did it. I fucking hated it. I hated it. I really, really disliked it. But I got great meaning in the discomfort of it. I got great meaning from that discomfort. I got... I had very strong emotions and opinions trying to understand how the fuck anyone could like raw fish and seaweed. And people love it. People truly, really love it. And that's the whole point of meaning. It's it's by sitting down and eating a plate of sushi, I'm always I'm almost uh, embracing the inevitable suffering of human existence. Because eating the sushi it was a, it was suffering. It wasn't intense suffering, but it was unpleasant. But there was great meaning in how unpleasant it was. So, you know, it was a good experience. I, I, it's, it's like I said, it's jumping into the fucking cold, it's jumping into the cold water. No one likes jumping into the cold water. It's not pleasant, but there's something there. There's something about it. There's, like if you've ever dived into freezing cold water and you've, you know, you've lost your breath, it's not pleasant. But there's something about it that gives you life. It almost reminds you of what it is you do like. So that's why stepping outside your comfort zone and doing something you wouldn't normally do is a good guide to finding a sense of meaning and shaking things up. So before I continue on to more of this stuff, just a quick plug of some upcoming live podcasts that I have. So, as you know, I'm just about to go on my UK tour. Glasgow, Birmingham, Liverpool and London. Um, Glasgow and London sold out. At Glasgow, I think I released about 10 tickets from the guest list there. In Glasgow, I'm going to be interviewing the comedian Limmy. Who is someone I have greatly admired for many fucking years. And I got on to Limmy and I said, Limmy... Will you be my guest in Glasgow? And he said, yes. I can't fucking wait. That's going to be so much crack. Um, Not going to tell you who my other guests are for that tour. But I want to just put out a big push for Liverpool and Birmingham. Because there are still tickets left for Liverpool and Birmingham. Please come along to those gigs. Alright, you'll get the tickets online. Then, Drahada, I'm in the TLT Concert Hall on Saturday the 21st of March. 2020 then Cork Opera House on the 29th of March then I've three Vicar Street gigs first 2nd and 3rd of of, of April I think 2nd and 3rd are nearly sold out but there's some tickets left for the 1st for April Fool's Day bizarrely why the fuck aren't people buying tickets on April Fool's Day what are you doing on April Fool's Day Flann O'Brien's birthday And then Belfast, I think Belfast is sold out. So there you go. There you go, lads. What have I got there? Nah, fuck, that's too much. That's May, fuck that. 
Okay, so those are my gigs. UK tour, lads. Please come along to that. Oh, shit, yeah. Fuck it. I have a gig. Spain in June. I'm just going to say this because I don't know how many people I have listening in Spain, so I want to make sure I plug it well in advance. I'm gigging in, in Madrid and Barcelona in June, the 12th and 13th, lads. So look those up online um, if I have any Spanish people who are fans of the podcast. This podcast, as you know, is sponsored by you, the listener. Every so often I might get an actual sponsor, like an advertiser on it, the odd time. But generally they're not that interested. So my income and what keeps the podcast going <coughs> is comes from you, the listener. Via the Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash the blind by podcast. If you met me in real life, would you buy me a pint or would you buy me a cup of coffee? If the answer is yes, you can do it on the Patreon page once a month. Please do, because people come and go and I really got to keep pushing the Patreon so that it gives me a steady source of income. This podcast is for free. I put it out for free. Uh, my labour is for free. So if you can afford to be a patron of the podcast, it goes a long fucking way. And it means too that you're paying for someone else who can't afford it. All right, Yurt. Also, suggest the podcast to a friend. If you know someone who isn't listening to, listening to this podcast and you think they'd like it, just suggest it to them. All right, subscribe, leave a review on fucking Apple Podcasts, all that carry on. Did I forget to do the ocarina pause? Oh shit, now I'll do the ocarina pause. Okay. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hello, this is an advertisement for better help. I have frequently attended therapy for the past 20 years when I experience anxiety or depression or when I have difficulty naming and labeling my emotions, identifying my emotions. I often seek the help of a professional therapist to improve my emotional literacy. I've attended therapy in person and I've attended therapy online. If online therapy is something you might be interested in, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online 
It's convenient, flexible, and it's suited to your schedule. All you gotta do is fill out a brief questionnaire and you get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So give it a go. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash blindbuy today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash blindbuy. There you go. Okay, what other guidelines would I give to for someone who's trying to find a little bit more meaning in their life? Learn to take the piss out of yourself. Learn to use humour in a self-deprecating fashion when it comes to things that are upsetting you. And... I don't necessarily mean, because self-deprecating humour as well can be, when you use self-deprecating humour in a social situation with other people, sometimes we can use self-deprecating humour in a toxic way because what it does is, if if you're quite insecure, if you're insecure and you're afraid of other people judging you or afraid of other people hurting you, sometimes we can just make jokes about ourselves because it's it's like saying it it's sending a signal out that don't make fun of me I'm already making fun of myself so there's no need for you to try I don't mean laugh at yourself in that way because if you are a person who uses self-deprecating humor a lot in a social situation it might be worth looking at and investigating why you're doing that but Learn to laugh at yourself privately, just you on your own. If, I don't know, it, 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 it's part of the acknowledging your fallibility. I spoke about this before, but when I used to have bad anxiety, I used to laugh at the absurdity of my own anxiety. Sometimes our mental health, our mental health issues, right, even though they're deeply painful, they're also very irrational and within that irrationality it can often be hilarity and I used to laugh at my own panic attacks I used to when the panic attack had passed I would laugh at the absurdity of what I'd managed to work myself up into such a tizzy over in fact uh, in my early career when I used to do prank phone calls some of my prank phone calls were actually me trying to process my anxiety. Like, I've got a prank phone call called The Bank, where I, I rang up. You'll find it on Spotify. I rang up a bank uh, claiming to have... But I rang up a... What the fuck? I rang up a bank and accused them of bursting a balloon in my ear and then told them that the balloon bursting in my ear caused me to have a panic attack. And that was directly me trying to find a, a humour in the irrational absurdity of the anxiety that I was suffering at the time. So, laugh at yourself. Laugh at your mistakes. If you did something to embarrass yourself, laugh at it to yourself afterwards. Laugh at the tragedy of your existence. Because when you do that, 
you just introduce these new emotions, these new hormones and chemicals into a situation. When you're the opposite of laughing at yourself is, is to be solemn. And solemnity serves no fucking purpose. If you're too solemn about shit that's fallen apart in your life, then you'll never find a solution to it. Just fucking learn to laugh at it. And let that in. And you can still take it seriously, but still allow a bit of humour in as well. It can be very healing and you can grow from it. Another suggestion off the back of that, and it, it's quite, it's like a B-side to learn and to laugh at yourself. Keep an eye on how offended you're getting at stuff. Alright? If you're If you're very easily offended by how another person is treating you, chances are that you have a very strict rule about how you must be treated by other people. And having a strict rule that everyone has to show you respect, that's a lot of stress you're bringing on yourself because that's not life. People aren't gonna, people don't know, they can't read your mind and know your own personal rule book for how you must be treated and other people are different. And if your personal rule book over how you must be treated and must be respected is very strict, then you're going to walk around spending a good portion of your day with those rules getting broken. And when those rules get broken, you experience that as being offended. And if you're offended a lot, then your experience of being alive is going to be quite painful and frustrating and filled with anger and a desire for retaliation. So, like I'm I'm not saying let people walk over you or let people disrespect you. Change your strict rule book from a set of rules to a set of uh, flexible preferences. It'd be nice if every single person you met was polite to you. That'd be lovely, but it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. So, learn to let some shit slide. You know, the ne- the next time, a good way to cut off being offended is if someone says or does something that deeply offends you, then maybe for two seconds, put yourself into their shoes and figure out what's going out for that, what's going on for that person that they are not noticing my boundaries there. Because the thing is, if if you have a lot going on, it go, it ties back to that very first fucking guideline I gave you. If you're to acknowledge that you're a, f- a fallible human being who makes mistakes and who's going to hurt people, then you have to make that allowance for other fucking human beings too. You have to make that allowance that another human being is fallible and might not understand your rules about how you're to be treated, and might do something that you consider to be offended. You can still be assertive, you can still call the person out, but what I'm trying to get at is to to be carrying around a deep level of pain and hurt and anger because of another person's behaviour towards you. That That just fucks up you at the end of the day. You know, 
So recognize the other person's fallibility. Try and have empathy from where for where they might be, and have a more flexible attitude. And then you won't experience the deep hurt and pain and rejection that can often go alongside being offended all the time. Like if you, sometimes a good way to lead your life is just just expect nothing from no one. If you don't expect anything from anyone, you will never be disappointed. I'll give you one more. Um, This is one that, for me, was, was hugely powerful. And it took a long time for me to develop. And it took a lot of work and skill and a lot of work on my own mental health to be able to get to the point that I was doing it. But this one really represented for me a real um, signifier of nearly the end of my depression and anxiety, right? Learn to embrace uncomfortable emotions, okay? And it doesn't just mean learn to accept them, learn to tolerate them, right? Obviously do those things. But there was a point in when I had started conquering my anxiety where I started to feel so confident around it that I'd actually fucking embrace it. So when a situation would present itself which normally would trigger anxiety in me, which for me was being in a in a public setting, being being in a pub, being at a at a gig, these things that normally might send me into a panic attack. When I'd gotten to a stage where I could cope and I'd gotten this confidence, I would start to kind of playfully embrace anxiety. And I I'm tr- struggling to find the fucking words. I would acknowledge that the vast majority of things that were making me anxious, there was no actual real threat. Going into a a, a situation that gives you anxiety, let's just say, okay, public speaking is a big one for people. Public speaking, for me, it was uh, being in, we'll say, being in in a, a crowded room and I don't know where the exits are. That for me would have been a huge fucking anxiety trigger. Literally like a game saying to myself, I'm going to go into this fucking room and I'm going to stand there and I'm not going to know where the exits are and I'm going to have fun with that anxiety. It's it's like you're finally stepping up to the bully. It's like, it's like, because your anxiety is a bully, your, your depression is a bully. It's the part of yourself that knows the most vulnerable parts of you. And it's there, It's that side of yourself using it against you. Like your anxiety is, is a... It's a nasty bully, like. It really is. If, if you took your anxiety outside of your body, some of the things that your anxiety says to you, and if that was a human being, the level of fucking nasty harassment that that person would be enacting against you would be something else. Like, think of what goes around inside your head when you're experiencing anxiety. You're fucking useless. You're a piece of shit. You can't even do this. You can't even do what normal people are doing. You're pathetic. 
this is this that's the inside of your head when you're experiencing anxiety or experiencing depression so it's a bully so when you learn to embrace it it's like you're finally stepping up to the bully and saying no you're not as tough as you think you are not at all you can't you can't hurt me do you know what i mean so i would nearly make a game out of my anxiety and i would put myself into situations that would normally trigger panic attacks like being in a really crowded place and i'd stand there and sit with it and i'd say to myself even if i tried i can't get to that exit door because there's about 70 80 200 people in front of me and i that exit door is ages away so if i was to get a panic attack right now I'd have to just get a panic attack right now and cause a big scene. And I'd really confront it and acknowledge it. And I'd, I'd, I would sit in, in the pit of hell. And when you do that in a playful way, it utterly diminishes how threatening those thoughts used to be. Similarly, you do it with public speaking. Once you get it, if, if, if public speaking is a big fear that you have or giving a presentation is a big fear that you have and you're working towards sorting it out and you've gradually exposed yourself to situations where you're now speaking publicly and you're giving your presentation in college or in work or whatever it is and you're starting to get okay with it but there's still a bit of anxiety. When you're at that advanced stage, then start fucking playing with it. Start finding out what your what your biggest fears are with public speaking. Leave long, uncomfortable silences. Long pauses. Start making eye contact with people sitting in the fucking room as you give a presentation. Speak directly to people. Play with the fear. Play with it. Toss it around. Have fun with it. Embrace it. That's... That's like advanced level standing up to your mental health issues. And it takes a while to do. But similarly with fucking depression. You know, if you had, you know, negative thoughts of about yourself or about the world or about other people. Like, sit with them or do something creative with them. You know, do something... Your your darkest, deepest, most negative thoughts that you might get with, with, uh, with depression, okay? Which can get very fucking dark and can veer upon self-destructive thoughts, right? When you feel that you're in a safe place where you're dealing with it, a good way to embrace that is to turn it into art. Write a fucking poem about it. Bring your dark, deep thoughts into a poem and poke fun at them. Feel the catharsis of doing that. That's what it is ultimately, what I'm talking about. It's catharsis. When you embrace anxiety, embrace fear of public speaking, embrace a phobia, embrace depression, it's catharsis. It's um, you're releasing the energy in this really fucking healthy way where you're dominating it and showing that you're truly in control of it and that it's not ultimately what what you're doing is you're you're exposing the the 
the fallacy of them. Anxious thoughts aren't real. Depressive thoughts aren't real. They're irrational thoughts. They're faulty ways of looking at yourself, looking at other people and looking at the universe that are irrational and dysfunctional and that are are causing a lot of pain, but they're not objectively real. They're illusions. So when you embrace them and poke fun at them and, and let them exist there, you're just, you're stripping all the power from them. It's, it's, you're, you, you're, sh- you're looking at the puppet strings and you're playing with the puppets, but the puppets are your anxiety or your depression. I've gone about fucking nine metaphors deep there now. Okay, that's one hour and I have to go to bed. You ghouls. Okay, I'll be back next week. What will I be doing next week? I think I'll be in England. I'll be in England on, on my tour. Um, Yes, I will. So, having a clue what the podcast will be. But I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully coronavirus doesn't fuck it up. I've Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Got seven days between now and my UK tour, so hopefully nothing crazy happens where all public gatherings are cancelled or whatever. I doubt it, though. I doubt it. Please buy tickets to my UK tour. Yort, I'll talk to you next week.